Hello, and welcome back to The Orbit Season 2. My name is Umema Suhail, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief at The Sputnik, Wilfrid Laurier University's independent student newspaper on the Brantford campus. The Orbit is The Sputnik's official podcast where I sit down and have a chat with writers and creators on our team about their published work and our monthly issues. This is episode five, and for the first episode in the new year, I'm thrilled to welcome our opinion editor, Mitchell Baldwin, in the studio. Hi, my name is Mitch. I'm a fourth-year crim major, and this is my last semester at Laurier. Some other things I've done on Laurier, in addition to being a uh, section editor, is I run the backstage and treasury for our campus's Deer Theater Club. I am a sitting member of the Laurier Senate and a member of the Students' Union Board of Directors. For our January issue, which is on stands around campus and available to read online, Mitch wrote a feature called Building Brantford Better on exactly how we can improve the city. He's actually been working on this piece for a while now, and it's finally here. So, Mitch, how's it going? It's going good. Good day so far, I'd like to think. That's good. That's good. Really cold outside. Frigid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so like I just said, you've been working on this since the fall, I think? Yeah, uh, I I had started doing interviews before even doing InDesign layouts for the December issue. Um, I remember as soon as I had it figured out where, oh yeah, I'm doing my feature story in January, I got to work on it immediately. Um, I had, yeah, I think it was the the day after, I think, you know, the day before I did my uh, InDesign layouts, I was walking down to the mayor's office for my first interview. Mm-hmm. A very long time, but I'm happy with the way it turned out. I was very fortunate that I was able to start so early because then that gave me enough time to do all these interviews. Some of them had to be pushed back by a couple of weeks, uh, but it all worked out great in the end, I guess. Yeah, so it was a, a good thing you started early and you got the mayor. Like, a lot, like, who talks to the mayor? You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing how you got that interview. What was that like? Terrifying. I was, <laughs> I, I had skipped my, my, one of my classes that day because I didn't, I was thinking, I don't want to go to class, wear myself out mentally, and then go to an interview, which I was already scared, terrified of. So I skipped class that day, and the entire walk over, I could feel my heart in my throat. Um, oh, my gosh. I had, it, the interview was originally supposed to be at 4, uh, or, yeah, uh, 3.30. Uh, but they, they had uh, asked me to show up at 3, just in case the mayor came in early. I remember for 30 minutes, I was sitting in the lobby thinking, oh, my God, this is going to happen. This is the first interview I'm doing for my article. Oh, my God. I am God. terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, he is extremely tall. I was taken aback by how tall he is. I, oh, wow. I, I like to think I'm a tall person, a good head and a half uh, taller than me, absolute giant of a man. Uh, but it, I'd like to think that interview went very well, uh, considering it was my first interview of well for the feature. Um, it went well. He, he was... I mean, it sounds redundant to say of a politician, or maybe not, redu- maybe redundant is the right word, but he seemed very personable. Like, you know, a lot of it was, rap, we were just having a conversation. And admittedly, you know, there was some bragging about some things Brantford Art is doing better. Uh, I remember one thing he talked about was, like, with housing. He was saying, like, oh, with Olivia Chow in Toronto, they say, oh, we'll build housing if we get money. We're just building housing here. Like, just straight from the go, the second we get any sort of available land to build on it. Because I remember they sold a, I talked talk about this in my, in my article, they sold a golf course for $14 million. And then they just, they used the land that they, well, they sold it to the city, I think. I'm not sure exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they're using that land that 
uh, to build like emergency social housing for because I think they had I want to say 800 families on like the like that were in need of social housing that there's, there's nowhere for them to go mm-hmm yeah no and like okay just the the fact that you interviewed the mayor like I'm still like so taken aback and when I first saw that you you told me that you had the interview I was like whoa like good for him you know because DMJ students like and the reason why I said that like no one talks to the mayor is what I meant was that because they're so scared oh, it's and because terrifying. yeah and because like you have to go through I'm assuming the communications department first right and then also it's so scary having to interview a politician as a journalist because it's like you know they're just gonna beat around the bush you know so for you you're saying that he was really personable and I didn't think he'd be that tall either because like <laughs> I've only seen seen him through like a screen you know on oh, YouTube yeah. right but um or in pictures, I've never seen him in person, but but yeah. So so, what was that like? Did you feel like you you could still have like a great conversation with him? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, I went through the automated messaging system on the Brantford website, and I did a little blurb saying, "Hi, my name is Mitch. I'm uh, the opinion editor. I'm writing an article about this. I would like to interview the mayor. Here's my contact information. Please get back to me." I sent that at like 7 p.m. on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Heard back like 9 a.m. Tuesday morning Wow! for the next week. It was extremely fast turn. I was really taken aback about oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, but I remember even after we finished our interview, we talked for like maybe five minutes about like law school, graduation, oh, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. Uh, very nice stuff. I remember on my way out the door, he said, you know, thanks for choosing Brantford. So it, it strikes me as, I hate to sing the praises of a politician, but it strikes me as someone, you know, who cares? He, I remember one of the things we talked about in my article was, and we're, or like with the drug abuse is that he knows people who have suffered and that you know some he knows personally that some things work and some things don't and he knows exactly what you know, the community needs and I remember another thing we talked about was I asked him about drug treatment course because that was one of the things that were out, was outlined by the uh, Brant, Brantford community strategic response to drugs and he said yeah we would love to have him we just have no money for the, from the province to build a court for because all of our court systems here they're woefully outdated, woefully undersized. They're just not able to meet any of the demand that uh, we really need to create a comprehensive drug treatment uh, court. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing the best they can with the limited resources they have because it's really easy to just go, oh, well, this city is, isn't doing well. Why should we give them more money? It's a lot like that. Uh, the American No Child Left Behind program where schools where children aren't doing well, they get less funding. It's counterintuitive because naturally if schools are getting lower marks you should want to give them more funding so they can get higher marks Mm -hmm. if a city is struggling you should want to give them more money so they can tackle the issues that are driving out the the tax base that they're driving out the jobs it's a tight line to a walk because you'll only see this is an issue where it's you'll, you'll mainly see people from brantford talking about it it's we need more support our province or our municipality is doing all we can. We need pr- support on the provincial level because it's the province's responsibility to help us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's going to be like that with every city too. Every city is going to be like, well, we have a problem. We need support, and you're only going to get people voting from your city. Like you only get Brantford residents voting for issues that affect Brantford in a provincial election. But because there's so many cities that have all these issues, it never makes it to be a provincial issue. Uh, it's very, w- with drugs and provincial campaigns, it's, oh, I want to tackle policy. It's less, I want to tackle things, boots on the ground, in the cities where these issues are prevalent. Just ha- just sitting around debating policy for hours on end, that does nothing. 
getting drug treatment courts, getting uh, specialized treatment centers. Like we have uh, all these places where you can get Narcan, which is a, forgive my limited understanding of it, it's one of the things that they use to help uh, deal with overdoses. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have all these things that they're trying to do the best they can with, but we just, they don't have the fundamental overarching support to do a vast overhaul because the reality is that Bradford can continue like this, but no one wants to con it for it to continue like this. Um, there needs to be, well, it's also nothing with, there needs to be housing, but there also needs to be a big court. There needs to be a big court building where they can get judges, they can get bailiffs, they can get all the staff they need, and that takes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Money that you, you just can't save up year to year to year on a municipal budget because stuff happens, life happens, you know, you're rarely ever going to be able to save large amounts, large amounts of budget uh, year to year. So it's a thing where the province really just needs to step up and pitch in and take the issue of drug crisis seriously. Yeah, and I think one thing that you reiterate in your article over and over again, and we'll definitely delve into this in more detail later on in this podcast or in this episode, but... Um, you know, you said that this kind of has to start with students. And even going back to just interviewing the mayor, like the reason why I was so taken aback, because you're, you're telling me that he was really happy that you wanted to talk to him. They got back to you right away. He said, thank you for choosing Brantford. And we all chose Brantford when we go to, when we signed up to go to Lori Brantford, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, clearly, you know, he's willing to talk to us. So why haven't students reached out? You know, I'm in the DMJ program and I'm saying we don't really reach out to the mayor, but why? Because uh, we just assume that we're not going to be able to talk to him. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? I'd say that'd be a part of it. I'd say the two, if I had to say there were the two biggest factors in this, it'd be fear and this, a sense of isolation. Because mm -hmm. it's like, I know for myself, I thought, you know, it'd be great to get an interview, but I thought, oh, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to get this, get this interview. So I'll figure it out. But I got it. And it's also isolation. I talked about, uh, I interviewed our uh, one of the professors on campus, Dr. James Cairns, and one of the things he was talking about, well, well one of the things we talked about was uh, if with big social movements, you know, we're really gifted on this campus that we have a lot of professors that are aware, you know, they're cognizant, they try to stay in the loop, but there's only so much they can do if there's no student support. One, uh, one aspect about that we talked about is there being a critical mass of motivated and uh, collaborati collaborating students. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, I can go talk to him as a you know, solo student, as a journalist. I can go say all this stuff, but nothing is going to happen. There will be no fundamental change with anything I, any of the things I talked to him about unless we have a critical mass of students that are they're collected, they're motivated, they are communicating with each other, they're organizing themselves. Like The best way I could describe it is a workplace unionizing. Everyone needs to be on the same page. Everyone needs to be working together. Everyone needs to be in the loop and aware of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that's something we really don't have uh, here on Brantford because I, Laurier, they describe our campus as being a commuter campus. Half our student body is commuters. They're creating another campus in Milton, which is also described on their webpage. I wrote about it in an article back in September, a self-described commuter campus. That's not a campus where it's going to have people there living in the city, living in, in the conditions, the day-to-day, the shopping at the stores in the city, they're not going to have people who are there. They're going to have people who show up, go to class, and go home. Uh, so just to you know, expand upon that, it's students, I'm just trying to find a way to word it right. Yeah. Uh, it's a thing where we're only here for four years. And your first year, you're in residence. It's all this fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you're maybe not 
may not be really aware of all the issues. It's only when you get to your later years, you're living, you're renting, you realize, oh wow, you know, this place needs some help. There's people suffering from homelessness, from drug abuse, from poor education systems. And it's only when you get to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm in my third and fourth year, I'm you know, high up in all these clubs, when you get to realize, okay, maybe I can do something about it, but at that point you're already out the door. Uh, it's, I think where it needs to be right from go. Like the second you get to campus, there is someone saying, hey, these are the things going on, sign a petition so we can go to this organization about it, or so we can mm -hmm. protest here. It, it requires a lot of torch passing from students, like senior students who have been there, they, they've seen how it goes, they've done the work to figure out how they can improve it, and then going to younger students saying, hey, I won't be around to see this through, I won't be here, please do this. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, I'm, I wanna pass the torch off, off to you because when you get to be in my position, you'll see, like from senior student to younger student, you'll be able to see, oh, there's all these problems. You'll have years to think about it, how you can fix it. But then in April, when I, when I write all my courses, I'm gonna think, well, what can I do? You know, it's the end of my last year. What can I possibly do? And at least to me personally, what I can do is say this. I can say, it, and nothing will just magically change just because there needs to be a collective group effort consistently working together uh, towards a common goal. And I think we would all appreciate, well, we, we could all appreciate the fact that students would like to be safer. They like to have more amenities. Local businesses would like to feel safer. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they feel unsafe, but everyone would like a degree of comfort. And that's something we can all work together towards. Local businesses, they would like to get student business. You know, they'd like for students to come around at any time of the day or night uh, to shop. But that's the thing we can only really get is if we band together as a community, not just as students, not just as residents, but as people. You know, it's not, it's easy to just say, oh, it's a Brantford problem. You know, this drug abuse, it's a Brantford problem. It's a people problem. It's, the city, the name doesn't matter. It could be any other city in the world. It could be any other city in Ontario. It could be any other city in Canada. It's a people problem. It will always persist if we just bury our heads in the sand and go, okay, well, I only have to show up from 9 to 2 today. I only have to show up from 2 to 4 today. Then I can go home. It's the check-in, check-out check mentality to say, you know, oh, I'm only going to be here for a little bit. It doesn't affect me. That is one of the biggest detriments to collective organizing. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's all I have. This yeah. is the second word vomit. No, I have questions about that. So... Especially what you just said, like this check in, check out mentality. Cause like I was resonating a lot, like even with what you were talking about, like, you know, people when they, people are actually living here, right? First year we're all kind of on res and then we learn about the rent and you know, we rent here and then we buy groceries here. So I personally have gone through the same experience. My whole first year was online, but in second year, uh, I took the fall term off, so I was back here for the winter term, and classes were in person, then I was living on res. But I still had that experience of like going to Freshco to get my groceries, right? And I also knew not to go too late in the day or else it'll get dark, and I don't wanna be walking across that parking garage we all have to walk through to get there. It's not you very know? safe. Exactly, right? And then I was also living, in my whole third year, I lived here in downtown. So you learn more about that, right? But I, I definitely think that, you know, I kind of resonate with, with with that, like, oh, this is so temporary. I'm just here for, like, a year, 
which in hindsight is not a lot of time, right? Like, and you, and now this year I'm commuting. It's like I'm doing something different every year. So now I'm commuting. So it quite literally is I'm here. Like I got here at 8.30. I'll go home like around 2 p.m., right? You know what I mean? So it's like we don't really we don't really think about it as much as we should like no like I, I want to just ask you like say, having said all this like this small little again like word vomit thing um you're are you you're not from Brantford are you oh no 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 I'm not, not a Brantford native uh I grew up in Oakville in the GTA yeah exactly and I knew that so I was wondering like what made you want to even not just write this story but like I can clearly see and so can our listeners and I'm sure people who read your piece who should be everybody (laughs) who's listening to this but you know I'm sure we can all sense the passion that you have and the motivation you have to as you said earlier like pass the torch down to um, younger generations like where does this passion come from what like what made you want to research this, interview people like the professor, the mayor, students, you know, and and really write about this and put this out there. Yeah, so I, I touch about it in a little bit in my article. Like the first sentence I say is, a common denominator of almost every interaction I've had with any student on this campus at one point or another is, oh wow, this is wrong. This is something wrong with the city. I don't like this about the city. You know, this the city could be doing this better. Uh, Laurier could be committing better to the city. It's a common denominator every single time where I find with students, by an hour chatting, we come up with better ideas than we see from any leadership in Laurier. It's, it, don't get me wrong, it's a tight, tight rope to walk because you don't want to drive out local business. You don't want to drive out local residents, but also it feels like a half commitment where it's like, okay, we're going we're to build our classrooms. We're going to renovate all these places, but we're not going to fully commit to it. We're still going to be a commuter campus, we're still going to focus on having students come and go whenever they want for it, but um, we're, it, it's not taking it's not a full commitment, and it feels like a slap in the face to at least to me it feels a bit like a slap in the face because you know it's there's limitless possibility, l- literally limitless possibility to build up the city. If Laurier had really wanted, they could make it they could t- transform the downtown into an entire campus. Laurier Town is like a joke I use with my friends. Like they could make this entire downtown a Laurier campus, but mm-hmm. they're doing it haphazardly because I, I, I'm not sure why. I, I can't speak to why, I can't speak to how, but I can speak as a student that I wish they would just do more. And go, going on to why I wanted to write this article, it, it's, it's really easy. Uh, when you're not studying like so- social sciences, like humanities, like the study of people, it's really easy to just go, oh, wow, you know, this guy is addicted to drugs. You know, wow, what a bum. You know, it's, e- it's easy to fall into that really cruel mindset where it's like, oh, wow, this person is suffering, therefore they're less. And after studying, like not even just like, oh, I have come to this conclusion by studying, but, you know, they're people. You know, they're people who struggle. It, you know, drug addiction is a disease. You know, it's no one chooses to be addicted to drugs. No one chooses to be homeless. No one chooses to suffer in freezing negative 20 degree weather we've had last week. No one chooses that. These are people. You know, I don't think it takes much, much energy or effort to just put a little bit of you know, compassion and empathy into you know, how you look at people. Instead of looking at a guy who's you know, obviously on a bad trip and going, oh, wow, you know, look at this 
look at look at this guy. He's you know he's dangerous. Going oh wow, look at this guy. He's suffering. You know, he's hurting, mm-hmm. and he's suffering and hurting because he's been let down because there's no industry. All all the major factory jobs in Bradford they packed up and left town in the 70s and 80s to get cheaper labor and do the exact same sort of exploitation out in less developed countries. Is it the the uh, the new workers' faults that you know the are factories packed up and left? Of course not. You know, is it the laid-off workers' faults that are that these manufacturing companies packed up and left? Of course not. It's not their fault that they were given a bad hand where all the jobs uh, left. And what do you get when you have a city that has no jobs, no industry, and a slightly burgeoning dispensary scene, mm-hmm. which now is legal as of 2015, but before that it wasn't legal. What do you get? You get drug addiction. You get homelessness because people can't pay rent. They can't pay their utilities. They can't pay for anything. So when you're sitting in the cold freezing, it's December, you're, you're, you're lucky to get you know, bread. You're l- lucky to get anything to eat whatsoever. It's really, it, it would be really tempting to go, you know what, maybe I do want to get high. Maybe I do want to do drugs. Then you get addicted. It, it's really easy to just lose. It's when there's no opportunity, when there's no legitimate means to get le- legitimate goals. You can't get a nice house by working a nice job because you know, no one's going to hire you because you're homeless, because you don't have nice clothes, because your hair isn't washed. When, you didn't just, when you're fundamentally cut off from all of these pathways, when there's no way for you to go from where you are to somewhere else, it's very easy to just you know, stay there because what else can you do? You can't get up. You can't go, okay, you know, I'm going to go march into this office today and say, I'm going to work hard, give me a job, they're just going to kick you out. It's, and I, I feel like that's not really a thing that comes up a lot with, you know, talking about the city. It's like, oh, wow, the city is, it's, you know, oh, it's awful, it's, you know, dangerous. And naturally, people have a right to feel that, okay, it could be improved, obviously. But it's, it's, it's a lot of, it is this, not why is it this way. It's not why is it dangerous? Why is there a homelessness crisis? Why is there a housing crisis? Why is there a drug epidemic? Why are there all these things that c- can be solved that have been solved? You know, why, like in Vancouver, they have um, safe injection sites. That's mm-hmm. one thing we're hoping to get here, safe injection sites. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, people can rail against Vancouver for however they want. It's safe. It keeps people alive because these are people. They have moms, dads, brothers, sisters, friends, sons, and daughters. They have hopes and dreams. You know, it's an insult to every concept of what it means to be human to just kind of sh- sweep them away and say, okay, well, you don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Just because you're not doing great, you don't matter. You know, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in the concept that a society can be best defined and characterized by how it treats its most vulnerable members. How do we treat those among us who need the most help? And looking around uh, outside, we're not doing very much. We're trying what we can, but at least in regard to Brantford, money runs out. You have a limited amount of dollars to do the most with, and they're doing all they can for it, which is why we need our province to step up for it. We need people who are elected to represent all of us because a drug issue doesn't just affect Brantford's, uh, Brantford residents, it affects everybody. Giving a blank check to cities that are dealing with drug crises, like as a blank check, like build courts, get all this stuff going, get all these rehab centers up. That as a blank check to say, okay, we're going to set this up everywhere. That helps everybody. That like, it, it by every conceivable metric, helping people as a point blank, we're going to you know give people a place to sleep. 
clo- uh, warm food to eat, clean clothes to wear, a place to get better because you know, they've had a rough go of things. If we were in their position, we would sure as hell wish that someone would extend their hand out to us and say, listen, you've had a rough ride, let me help you. And I like to think that Laurier Bradford, specifically with our concentration on social sciences and liberal arts, we have a really good student body that would understand that. It's not like I'm breaking the mold by saying, oh, you know, these are people, treat them with respect. It's to say, these are people, we should treat them with respect, let's come together to do it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's very cohesive or makes sense, but that's mm-hmm. just, just sort of my thought process going into writing it. No, like, you said so many thoughtful and insightful things. Like, this this definitely should give listeners a lot to think about. And, you know, I just, I resonate so much with, like, what, even, like, the small things that you're, you're saying other students were thinking. Like, I remember when I was in first year, um like i just said everything was online yet still like over like zoom meetings in clubs and stuff that were virtual at the time right i'd hear people like using terms like crackhead you know to describe like brantford and the people here and like obviously i've never really stepped foot on campus so i had no idea what they were talking about and even then i was like like that is so inappropriate to say especially like because i was a first year and no one knew me it's like what if like i had a family member who was uh struggling with addiction you know like you don't know that yeah like you, you know? have as a first year you have no power in the social hierarchy whatsoever that's true yeah so if, if you have senior students going like oh look look at these crackheads look at these tweakers you know yeah. look at how pathetic they mm-hmm. are that just perpetuates like a culture that was committed to treating people poorly like for Christ's sake, that's a person. You know, yeah. they, they they had a childhood. You know, they had favorite books, they had favorite toys, they had favorite favorite clothes to read. You know, they mm-hmm. had they they loved you know their mother's cooking. They loved riding around on their dad's shoulders. But now, to you, all they are and all they ever will be is a crackhead. It's like be real. It's, you know, that's a person. Uh huh. It's dehumanizing. You know, and it's disgusting to hear. Like I remember, I used to call it out all the time. I I used to be like, um, like, what do you mean by that? You know, because that's always what you should ask. Like whenever oh, yeah. someone and says something like you know a little offensive just be like can you like explain that like i don't get it you know and then they always kind of like fumble a bit or they get they, silent they you know back, they backtrack, yeah, yeah so everyone was just silent because i was like what do you mean like you know what i mean like do you are there resources like the, is laurie doing anything and they're like yeah like you know you get in trouble if you like mess with them and I was like, uh-huh. It's like, oh, yeah, you what? get in trouble if you assault people who are homeless. You know, yeah. what, a re- what a revolutionary thought. Like, geez. Yeah, it was just a pop. Because, again, first year, I have no idea what they're talking about. And then this is how they describe it to me. It's like, what? So, so anyway, I think even the language is something to think about. But, like, like you said, like, I don't, like, every student has had like everyone every student who's been on campus knows what we're talking about oh yeah right i don't know people from waterloo like the waterloo campus or like other like areas you know they probably won't get it until you like come here and see for yourself like um i even like once i needed help like moving out of my apartment and my my friend came to help me and she's from waterloo because that's where i'm from i brought her here and she just looked around she was like so this is where you study? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is where I get my I got my bachelor's from, you know? But, it, like, you know, it's... It, like, 
I don't know, like, it's been like this for a long time. This campus has been a thing since 1999. That's like 25 years ago. Yeah, that's not a lot of time. Literally 25 years ago. It, at the same time, it is a lot of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the same time, because it's like, I know that you mentioned that in the 70s and 80s, like, they've there's been, you know, like, this economic shift, right? But then also, I've had professors who um, told me, like, oh, we haven't taught on campus since, like, 20 2018 and like this place has changed after covid oh yeah you know because just there was this huge again people were struggling with finances businesses had to close down i even see like in harmony square there's like boarded up places that if you look on google maps they were open and flourishing like years ago you know so there's a lot of problems here and but but like i've spent four years here and so have you you know and like within that four years like we've been seeing all this but in all honesty, I haven't seen much student action or change or even Laurier addressing anything. Like people in Waterloo probably don't really know what 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 the situation is here, what the circumstances are in the city, you know? So like, and I know that this is something that you mentioned in your piece as well. Like, you know, pe- students should be saying something. And in fact, I wanted to read out the last sentence, your closing sentence, because mm-hmm. um, I thought it was just super powerful and it kind of really pushes your point that you're trying to make like throughout the whole thing. Or trying is the wrong word. You are making <laughs> throughout the whole piece. Um, you say like, you write, one last question to consider is, where will positive change start? If it's not you, then who? Right, and I just think that's so powerful because it's so true i'm just wondering like we already kind of talked about why students are so hesitant or unmotivated to you know say something or do something or you know we talked about fear and then you mentioned a bunch of other thoughts but how do you think we can encourage students to create change to kind of stand up and like do something about their campus that even if they're here for a short time in hindsight they're still here for a good four years or even five years or however long it takes you know they're still here for their bachelors or masters one one thing i would say just to start it off with effectively students are hamstrung and all of the organizations i'm in all the titles i have there is no easy way for lots of students to voice you know, concerns they have. It's like, uh, their students are hamstrung in the sense that there is no clear path to voice change. There is no clear predefined, if you want this done, do this. It's completely left up to students' imaginations. Like, oh, how do you think we should get change? Well, it's like, well, how do do we? You know, this is a, a large institution spanning God knows how many kilometers, how many years, how many dollars. You know, what can one measly undergraduate student do and that that's the tough spot because it's an ideological thing at the start where it's like okay i am one person how can i do this and to bridge bridge off into how we actually we can do things is i talked about it in my interview with dr karen's is student like student engagement it's like uh, another one of my interviews sorry uh, i talked with a student just after the interview and they suggested getting petitions together to uh change the exam times from being like seven to 10 at night to being at the time the course is held. It's like having petitions. And to bring those two sort of ideas together is, if we were to get student petitions where it is a lot of students, not 100 students, not 200, not 300, like 600 students signed, hopefully even 1,000. If we had every, every student possible, every student that lives in Bradford sign this petition saying, hey, we want this changed, 
then we could get support from professors. Mm -hmm. Then we can get support from administrators because it's not us versus profs. It's not us versus admins. It's not admins versus profs. We're all here together. Professors, they teach here. Students, we learn here. Administrators, they work here. We're all in this together. So one important thing to just keep a note is you have absolutely every right to be frustrated, to be angry, to be mad as hell that nothing changes, that it's just same to same to same and same. However, you should keep in mind, professors, well, most professors, aren't your enemy. Uh, professors, effectively, they wait for there to be a critical mass of students, like a large body of students, like six, I'll, use, I'll run with the number 600 as an mm -hmm. example. Hasn't been put anywhere in paper saying, if 600 students do X, professors do Y. Absolutely not. If a large amount of students were to say, we're concerned about this, this is really, really important to us, professors will go, okay, this is important to our students, our students are important to us, we'll support them. If students wanted to start an outreach program for like co-op or something like that, for like education, like people who want to do, go into a teaching degree, if Laurier wanted to start, I, I talk about this briefly in my article, if Laurier wanted to start like a co-op where students can volunteer to help out at high schools or elementary schools in whatever capacity, whether it's like a big brother or big sister program, if it's just like tutoring at lunch, you know, just going to the library to help out students study, anything like that. If students really wanted to do that, which I'm sure a lot of students would love to do that, we can get a petition going. We can say, this is something important to us. You know, we're telling professors about it because the important thing is, even if you yourself don't know how to get something done, which most people don't, just getting awareness of it out there to say, as many people know as possible, chances are someone will know. And then all it takes is to have one big meeting where you go, this is what we want to do. Does anyone know how we can do it? And if you have enough people aware, they can go, wait, actually, I know this one person and they know this other person. We can talk to them and we can get something going. It's, it requires a community effort and no one person can do this alone. Then it's like bearing the weight of the world on your shoulders you cannot do it on your own. Mm -hmm. You need friends, not, not even friends, you need people who are concerned, people who are of the same mind where it's like, we want to do something, maybe not even agreeing on what you want to do, but you want to have a forum available. It's like, one of the things I, I could suggest would be a large student petition where it's like, we want the establishment of a forum where on this day of every week for one hour, someone from somewhere will come down and students can just come in and go as they please, like an open hall where students will say like, hey, where are we at with this? You know, mm -hmm. can we do this? Uh, like I know with the, the Belmont, a uh, newly opened restaurant, most, like that wasn't public knowledge until I want to say maybe end of November, December. But up until that point, every single like, why don't we have a restaurant on campus? Even though it had been in the works for God knows how long before I even joined. Mm -hmm. the student union board of directors it's a thing where it's hamstrung because even though on the students union side of things it's like oh wow they do all this stuff the operation side of it is the vice presidents the associate vice presidents and you sure you can find the emails on the websites too but also they're one person you know what can you really do is like oh I'm an angry student, I'm gonna write an angry email to this one guy who I want to help me. It's like, yeah, that's gonna work out great. Mm -hmm. you know, make, make, make enemies instead of friends. That's gonna to totally help out. So it's to build bridges and to go, even though I may not personally agree with 
what one student wants to do. Like if I want, um, if I want the co-op thing for, for schools, but another student goes, I don't want that. I want a different idea. I want more student jobs around campus, or I want Laurier to buy up more of the uh, abandoned buildings. You know, both are good ideas, right? We may not have to agree which one is more important whenever we can both agree that there needs to be a forum to discuss it, and then we can work from there. Mm -hmm. It's to open the door for everyone to get in rather than just going, okay, I'm going to advocate this one issue and then the next. It's let's give the opportunity for every issue to be advocated, and that only really comes about with unity. And and it doesn't have to be complete, absolute unity where we're all in lockstep. We all agree. It's only the unity in the sense that we want to improve our community and we want to improve the ways we can improve our community. We want to add to the ways we can discuss. And I'm sure if you, like any professor, I can, I'd be willing to bet money on it. Nine times out of 10, if you were to talk to a professor, like, hey, you know, and as a professor, what do you think about this student movement? What do you think about this? I'm sure they'll have something insightful and lovely to say. They'll have some, they may even have good constructive criticism going, okay, I like how you're doing this. However, it's not gonna go everywhere pivot it here, and then you can get something done. It's Alienation is the ultimate enemy of any student movement. Mm-hmm. It's, if we want more, if we want campus, the campus to be safer, we're not gonna just call up the SU desk and start screaming at them. We're not gonna call up the president of the university and start screaming at them. We're gonna you know, work together. We're gonna see if students are interested in this. Uh, like if I wanted, with the co-op thing, if I wanted to see if students were interested in it, I'd go to student association events. I'd reach out to people saying, hey, are any of your members interested in this? I'd go to English professors and say, hey, are any of your students interested in this? And if enough students are interested in it, you would try to bring them together and go, okay, how do we want to do this? Do we want to do a petition? Do we want to do a protest? Do we want to just go around collecting signatures from our professors and then submit it to someone? It's a thing where I'm sure you can do it any number of ways, it's just getting people together. That's it. Honestly, it's the first part and it's the hardest part because everyone is, as an introvert, everyone is happy to just be in their own bubble, do their own work because it's a lot of work to organize stuff like this. And that's mm-hmm. why you can't do it alone. It can't just be you and your three friends organizing it. It needs to be like a class worth of people mm-hmm. going like, okay, we're all interested in this. We can divvy up the responsibilities. We don't need to have an annual meeting time we just need to be able to lean on each other. And then if it starts out like that, it'll build up, build up, build up. You need to have a snowball with community where it's no one is left out, all voices are heard. It needs to be like a true democratization of the student body where it's anyone can contribute in any way and no one is left out. Because if the second you start cutting people out and saying, oh, well, your, your experience isn't relevant. Oh, well, because you study this, it isn't relevant. The second you start cutting people out, you've already lost. Your point is moot completely. The second you start uh, segregating it based on like, oh, I want to get this done, but you're going to take away attention from that. I'm not going to work with you. It's complete antithesis to getting anything done, period. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that... Yeah, no, no, Word vomit again, my apologies. No, 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 that's... no, we're having a great conversation. <laughs> I don't I don't consider that word vomit. I I think you bring up a lot of good points and you know I think what you're mainly trying to emphasize or sorry again I say trying but you are emphasizing that 
we just need unity and people need to come together. And I think that one thing I do want to mention is that Lori Branford is the liberal arts campus, right? We're all the humanities kids. You know, we all took, I always joke about this, but we all took data management in grade 12. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like we're, we're all those kids, you know, who are studying this and like we're indirectly learning how to improve our city and how to fix or not even fix, but change Brantford, you know, or make it how it was when it was flourishing and maybe even better, you know? So we're, we're learning that. So I think we're more than capable. But I do want to, like, bring up, so you mentioned, like, earlier that, um, did you say something about how Lori Brantford wanted to have, like, its own restaurant or cafeteria? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, the Belmont. It's a okay. restaurant slash cafe open up in, that just opened up in uh, One Market last week. Oh, uh, wow. You can get muffins. I, I, I don't recall the menu in its entirety, but now they have uh, a service where you can buy, like, a sandwich, and then you can go sit down in a booth, and they'll bring it over to you. Or you oh, can wow. get yeah. coffee, tea, any of that, any sort of that thing. So it's fairly new. Okay. Wow, how did I not know about that? That needs to be an arts and culture article. <laughs> this is my opinion. As a student, it wasn't advertised well. Mm, uh, okay. You, like, I remember... I, I was outside the SU office one day, and I saw like a po- like a printed paper poster on the corkboard outside saying "now hiring," and the deadline was the next day. Oh wow! So it was just uh, it could have been a little more on the advertising mm-hmm. front. Like I, it's shown in the email blast, but let's be real: how many of us read through that email blast that gets sent out? Yeah. To yeah. be completely candid. Yeah, to be fair. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think it's really good that we ended up having that. Because I was just going to say, like, we need a cafeteria here. Like, I, I know the Waterloo campus, they have Wilfs, mm-hmm. but it's like, now we have the Belmont. Yeah, th- this was intended to actually be the uh, counterpart to Wilfs, like okay. the Brant- Brantford the equivalent. Wilfs, yeah. Yeah, um, op- I've, to my understanding, of the operations are still getting up and running, at yeah. least from a student perspective. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was the intended counterpart to it, and just put it plainly, the, everything there is cheaper than Fridays. The muffins are cheaper. The cookies are cheaper. The tea and coffee is cheaper. Please go. It, it'll save you lots of money. Thank you for saying that because I just spent $6 on a drink. Oh. <laughs> so, and I was, like, really shocked when I, like, saw, saw the price. And then I got my drink and it has, like, all this, like, extra whipped cream on it. And I was like, I didn't know it would have all this. But, okay, thank you. I mean, I really appreciate it. But, yeah, we need more more good eats here, you know what I mean? And actually, I wanted to bring up also that yesterday, I know, Mitch, like, I kind of already told you this earlier today before we were, we started recording, but, you know, um, I just visited the Laurier campus in Waterloo, and I was, I mean, I'm always, like, shocked when I go on any campus in Waterloo, like, even UWs, like, University of Waterloo's, um, because they just... It's so big and it's so nice, Massive, yeah. right? And I just picked up some copies of the Court and the Community Edition, which um, if you're in Waterloo or able to get your hands on a copy, you definitely should. But um, it's as if the city was built around the campus. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you said like way back earlier about how like Laurier kind of just bought some buildings here in Brantford and downtown, not all of it. And, like, I don't necessarily personally would want them to take away from the da- downtown Brantford, but I definitely think that if they wanted to have a campus here, they should have fully flushed it out. Absolutely. You know what I mean? They should have had a, a, a place just for students, you know? And sharing 
sharing the space with the city and like members of the community is not a bad thing i think it's really great especially for for me who's in dmj and i have to go out and interview people i can literally just walk on the street and like find somebody who's not a student right Mm -hmm. it's it's really it's great that we have that communication and that contact with other people i don't think that students should be in their own bubble all the time i think that they should be out in the community so I think Laurier Branford helps with that. But I also think that, like, if you are going to have a campus in a city, have a fully fleshed out campus, you know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I like go to Laurier, but the Branford campus. People usually don't really know, you know, what I what I mean. I mean, I, I hope they do, but, you know, it's like we need more awareness. We need more here. And I, and I definitely agree with you that it's really up to the students. Yeah, just to jump. Uh, jump off your point where it's like, oh, I go to Laurier Brantford. Yeah. That's another thing, too. It shouldn't just be, oh, I go to Laurier Brantford. It's, I go to Laurier. Mm-hmm. We are as legitimate as any other Laurier campus, whether it be Milton next year or Waterloo for how many ever many years they yeah. uh, operate. We have every uh, just we have every right to claim uh, Laurier identity, to say we are Laurier students. We're not Laurier Brantford students, even though we are in Brantford. We are Laurier students. We deserve you know, the same environment that is being built up in Milton. That is that has existed for decades at Waterloo. We have every right to demand what everyone else is, has or will be receiving in the future. Exactly, and I do feel like every student here takes a bit of Branford with them. You know, even after they graduate, I'm not like. Even my dad told me like, you're never gonna forget the few years you lived here. You know, in Branford. And it's true, like I probably won't because I feel like a piece of me is here, you know? And I guess my point of bringing up Waterloo is just because like there's clearly a difference that I think is up to the university. I think a a huge portion of that actually is up to the university. But I don't think that we as students should just leave it to them to make that change when they want because we want to see it now. You know, and like it's it's like as if if Brantford, for example, was your second home, you wouldn't want to see it like be hurt in a way like you would want the best for it. Mm-hmm. So like we want the change now. So it's like we should be doing things that, you know, would just so that even if we can't see it by the time we graduate, the future generations can, which I know is a point you already brought up. Yeah. But yeah, it's with the whole future generations uh, bit. It's with building anything, you don't build it for yourself. By the time it's built, you're already on your way out the door. You build it so someone else has it better than you. It's like yeah. parenting. It's like you don't have a kid just because, oh, I want a kid. You have a kid because you want to give them a better life than your parents gave you. And your parents, they had a kid because they want to give you a better life than they had. It's the continual passing the torch saying, I had it like this. I wish I had it better. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that those that come after me have it better. Uh, it's to say that I it might be fine for me to have what, what it is. It is what it is. It might be fine for me. However, the future students, like my brother or my girlfriend, you know, I want them to have opportunities that I didn't have. I want them to be able to have community that I didn't have because I know how much I would have appreciated it. And I know that their people... I know what they're like. I'd want the best for them. And I think everybody can relate to that where even if it's fine for us, we all know someone that we want better for. And with, with another thing with this campus is 
it's small enough to where routinely as a fourth year student or first year student, you can make friends with the other. It's very much not segregated by like a grade level where it's like, oh, I'm a third year student, so I'm with all these third year other students. It's like, oh, I can be a third year student, I can be with like a bunch of first years in a first year course if I wanted to. Uh, There's no barrier for it. So even if you don't have people that you like you're personally related to or you're personally affiliated with, you can just look around at all these other students and go, you know what? I want better for them because you know, I want it better for me. I wish that someone, when I was in first year, looked at everyone, uh, all of this and said, you know what, I want better for all these students. It's to look beyond yourself and go, you know what, I may not be around to enjoy it, but that's the price you pay for leading, for building. It's, you, you don't do this to enjoy it for yourself. You do it so someone else can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing with, like I was saying earlier, with passing off the torches. You don't, if you, nothing is going to be a turnaround like that. You're not going to get all these businesses opened up, all these buildings bought, renovated, and fixed up within like a four-month time span. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. You can, however, get that done over a period of time where as the years roll on, there becomes more and more and more and more. I remember I was originally in the Sussex program for a program orientation in January of 2020, January, February 2020. I think it was February 2020. Before COVID makes me feel old. Um, they, mm-hmm. One of the ladies there, they said, oh, yeah, by in the next few years, we're going to have student residences and shops open in one market. Flash forward to 2024, we have the Belmont, and that's it. One lounge doesn't count, and it was already there. They don't get to brag about having that when it's been there for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the thing where the I, you can even see with administrators and professors and anyone at Laurie, they have ideas. There's just no momentum behind them to be like, oh, let's do it. Like the Belmont, that was an initiative from directors on the Students Union Board who specifically wanted it to be a thing. They were pushing for it specifically. That wouldn't have happened if we didn't have motivated students taking advantage of the opportunities uh, ahead of us. And just to add on top of that, with the Student Union Board of Directors, it's a 12-member board. Two seats are reserved for Brantford directors. As of now, we have four Brantford directors on that board. It's a third. So a sizable, you know, time of uh, time and energy can be dedicated towards Brantford issues, Brantford topics, and you won't get that if you know you don't have students saying, "I want better," because even though you may not be able to get a lot of done in like administrative roles in organizations, you can still steer it in the right direction. You can still go, "Okay, maybe we didn't get something this time. I'm going to set something up so someone in the future can get something good next time." It's just looking beyond yourself instead of saying me, 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 going us, we, together. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I was saying it earlier, but it's just looking at everyone the same way you would look at your friends, the same way you would look at your family, because they have friends, they have family, they have hopes, they have dreams, they've sobbed into their pillow listening to an emotional album, they, they, they've mm-hmm. jumped for joy at a concert, you know, they, they've, they've lived lives just like any of us you know why shouldn't we reach out to them you know we're all here together on this big blue rock we might as well work together at the very least just to say we're here so we must you know and this is going to sound a little cringy but i'm a strong believer in that the opportunity to do something good for someone no matter how small or insignificant it may seem ultimately necessitates it if you can do something good for someone, even if it's just a tiny thing, holding a door open for them, you absolutely should. And uh, one of the things I talked about in my article, I interviewed the president of Laurier Students for Literacy, 
um, it's a student tutoring group. We have one at the Waterloo campus as well, but it's doing something good for someone, you know, someone who needs it. You know, you're helping kids catch up on reading because they got screwed with COVID. You're helping them get ahead of their classes. The kid I tutored in the fall semester, they were two, they were grade three, they were at a grade one reading level. We got them up to grade, I got them up to grade three by the end of the semester and they were already starting excelling in math and French, wow. stuff that we didn't even talk about just because they had someone saying, you're doing good, I believe in you. Wow. So it, you don't even need to be, you know, personally related to these people. You don't even need to be, oh, I have a class with this person. Oh, I'm a, a neighbor to this person. You know, they're just a person, so that's all the reason you should need. You know, mm-hmm. We're all together. Just It doesn't take much to say, you did good. I'm proud of you to anyone. To anyone to say, you did good. You, know, you should be proud. You know, oh, I think you did this great. Even if you don't know the person. If, the, like, if it's a class and you have a, a presentation with someone and they're nervous about it, just you know, say, you're going to do good or you did good. I wish I did something like that too. Mm-hmm. Because that makes a world of difference for them because they can go from shaking like a leaf during their first presentation to at the end of the semester being you know cool calm collected just because someone took two seconds out of their day to say hey you know i'm proud of you you did good it makes the world difference for everyone and you don't need to be around to see that happen you just need to be around to push it in the right direction the snowball you know you just pack a tiny snowball and you let it roll and eventually it builds up into something great for someone to make into like a giant snowman as an example it's treating people decently because that's the only reason you should need to because mm-hmm. at the end of the day we're all people any one of us when we're ha- we've all had rough times and we've all wished that there was someone else to help us through our rough times and even though we may have not had someone to help us we can always be the person to help someone a yeah. little bit of all over the place, but I think that makes sense. Yeah, no, it 100% does make sense. And it's really nice to to hear you bring up the Laurier students for, for literacy. I know that was in your article. And, you know, it's so great to hear that that one student in particular really boosted his grades and, you know, in his um, – his uh his learning i guess in more than one course just because he had that older person to encourage him you know or her pat them on the back you know it was it was just saying you know you're doing good you know i'm proud of you yeah you know or like even when their parent would come to pick them up and drop them off i would i would always make sure to say oh you know xyz is doing really really good you know i'm really proud of them you should be really proud of them too yeah because then the kid hears that and they think well oh my god you know this person who's in university this big scary place where everyone is super smart thinks i'm doing good and they're telling my mom that i'm doing good yeah and that motivates them that that makes that makes a a kid go you know what i hate reading to you know what maybe reading isn't so bad maybe i can do better in classes maybe i'll try harder it's to motivate them and it doesn't take much to do that it's honestly i'd say i personally i'd characterize that as the bare minimum to say you're doing good kid keep it up it yeah. doesn't take much. Yeah, no, for sure. That takes, what, like two seconds yeah. to say? And then especially, I think, like, saying it to their parents, too. Like, I think because that, that just does so much for them. Oh, yeah. Like, I, everyone can speak to, like, how nice it was as a kid when your parents said, oh, my, you're doing really good. I'm so, oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone can speak to how nice that was. Mm-hmm. So to have someone who is, like, unrelated from school, they're not your teacher, they're not your professor, they're not your, like, the neighbor's older kid or whatever, there's mm-hmm. someone there specifically to help you to say, you know what, your kid's doing really, really good. Yeah. You should be very proud. That makes a world of difference because then they yeah. go, 
it goes from, oh, wow, I had to go to summer school for the last two years for reading to, wow, you know, this person believes in me. I'm going to do really good. I'm going to try my hardest. And even just to say, like, you don't need to succeed. Like, to, even just to say to a kid, if anyone else is volunteering, you don't need to tell them, oh, you have to do good. You just have to do your best. Because even if you do your best and you fall short, well, you did your best. There's nothing more you can do. And you should be, to be proud of the fact that you just worked hard to begin with. You know, that also makes a world of difference for them because it goes from, oh, wow, I didn't get a good grade. I'm going to stop trying to. Oh, wow, I didn't get a good grade. I'm going to try again. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep repeating it, but it really does, in every sense, make a world of difference. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And, you know, I it's really nice to know that you're involved in the community. I know you're involved in so many things at Laurier Branford, but then also, like, just helping out students in the community, too. And I think that, in part, it's this type of involvement that students, uh, like uh, us as students that we do, that can motivate us to want to change the city on even a larger scale. So I'm just wondering, I know I kind of already asked you this, but just to kind of ask you again, it's like, what makes you so motivated to be so involved in the community that you think that if you share could motivate other people to to be involved and to actually say, you know what, I do want to sign that petition because I do care about Brantford and I want it to change. Yeah, so one thing I'll, I'll just start with is it's a mentality that at least just starting it, just getting the ball rolling, someone has to do it. It's nothing special to start a conversation, you know. It could be anyone else sitting in this chair with any of these other club committees. It could be anyone else. It just so happens to be me. And because I have all these opportunities, which of which I'm eternally grateful for, that I feel like it's my duty, it's my personal responsibility to try and use those opportunities in any way I can to motivate people. Because you know, it's easy if you're, when you're not doing anything, if you just show up for class and then you go home, it's easy to go, you know what, I don't really care. I'm just here for two more years. You know, what, what, what's another year? But when you're there, when you're trudging through the snow, when you go to get groceries with your friends, or you go to a coffee shop to have a, a meeting with a professor or something like that, that makes you care. It makes you care. And when you care, you can't just turn a blind eye and go, I, you know, it doesn't matter because it does matter. When you go to the library and help like, young kids practice their reading, you can't not care about education. You can't not care about budget cuts for schools. You're going to care. And then you're going to live your life thinking, okay, how can I change this? And even though you don't have to be Superman, you don't have to be moving boulders day to day. You don't need to rescue kittens from a tree. But when it gets to be election time and one politician who will go unnamed is going, you know what? We really stuck it to those teachers. Let's do it again. You know, it was like cutting the budgets. Mm-hmm. You can go into that and go, you know what? I've seen how this affects people. I've seen how this affects this one kid who really needed help. I'm going to vote for the alternative from whoever they may be because I know they'll do a better job by this kid than the current establishment. So, yeah, I I do want to ask you on the technical side, what was the most challenging part about writing this piece, doing its research and interviewing, all of that? Starting. Uh, the absolute hardest part was just starting. I had already put it up, by the time I started you know, conducting interviews and starting my research, I'd already put it off for two weeks. Because I think, oh, you know, I'm, it's, I'm nervous, oh, I'm scared. It's just starting. It's taking that leap of faith and going, you know what, 
this is something I'm going to try. It may not go well, but if it doesn't go well, I tried my best. That's the hardest part, just to submit the automated message saying, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm with blah, blah, blah. I'd like to interview the mayor. Uh, that's the hardest part, to, send, to just get out and say, I want to do this. I'm committing to do this. That's the hardest part. After that, everything is just downhill with, like, it just becomes easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and was this the first time you did interviews, like, for journalistic purposes? In a professional capacity, yes. It, that, that added to the anxiety a little <laughs> bit, but I like to think it turned out well. It, I, I was even thinking last night just through the learning curve of first interview to last interview, night and day difference. Not to say mm-hmm. any of the interviews were bad. I like to think they were all went well. Mm-hmm. But it's even just, like, trial through fire. And it, I like to think it worked out well. Of course. And, like, your first interview was with the mayor. So that's automatically, like, so impressive that you just got through it. And, like, as your first interview, like, for professional purposes, like, that's just crazy. So in a good way, I mean, like, that's so impressive. So, yeah, really good for you. What was that like, like, interviewing? Because I know, like, Mitch, you're in criminology. Yeah. So maybe, you know, so I, I did ask you, like, a couple times, like, hey, if you need any pointers, let me know, you know, because yeah. I'm willing to give you, like, a whole, like, slideshow presentation on, I like, really interviews appreciated it, yeah. if you needed it, you know, because I don't want to also, like, overstep and, like, you know, underestimate because I assume you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then it's, like, if you want, like, you know, resources, I'm here. So what was that? what was that like so I remember I still remember it like in the days leading up to it I would be like, I'd be staying up late combing through web pages with my laptop saying okay this comes from here I get this data from here like writing it down in my notebook and asking my friends like does this make sense you know just like reading out loud I was like no that doesn't make sense scribbling it out it was a lot of like the same way I'd like prepare for like a presentation or mm-hmm. like if I was interviewing someone for a course uh, it was absolutely scary and I didn't even believe it was happening until I had walked into the mayor's office like the city hall and say hi I'm here to interview the mayor for three o'clock until that point it didn't even feel real but very scary but uh, I always like to with any of the research I do or any of the papers I do for like crim I always try to go off the basis of intersectionality how do things relate to each other and with criminology it's like a social science it's like looking about social factors. And I like to think that landed in pretty well to my article because I'm talking about housing, drug abuse, education. These are all like social issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like to think it helped me a little bit in like just understanding what specifically was important and why, just to help me narrow it. But I wouldn't say that it really, my major gave me any benefit over any other major. I think you could have been a English major, history major, business tech major, it wouldn't have made any difference. Because uh, I wasn't going there to write an article about crime, I was going there to write an article about Brantford. And I just like, th- I like to think that really just creating it like two different worlds where it's, I'm doing this for an article, I'm doing this as its own thing. I can draw from all these other bits, like a Venn diagram, I can draw where I need to, but I don't really need to rely on mm-hmm. these four years of education I've had. I like to think that distinction helped me prepare. Oh, yeah, like that independence, I yeah. guess. And, of course, like all work at the Sputnik, it's not limited to digital, digital media and journalism students, especially since, you know, our program got canceled. But I would say, I don't even know if it's most people, like I don't really keep track mentally, but a lot of people that are submitting quality work here at the Sputnik and have always been submitting quality work, even past years, they're not always like journalism students. They they're English students, criminology students, mm-hmm. right? Like it's 
anybody. And I'm really glad that you were the one that took, you know, the initiative to write this story. I think that it's so, so important to write. And um, yeah, I hope you had fun with the feature too. A lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I was even thinking about like, oh man, I'm going to miss this next year. You know, it, it's oh, yeah. a lot of fun to anyone who's listening, who's thinking, oh, should I just take a leap? Absolutely. Leap before you look. That's the best way to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. 90% of the things I've joined up with, I go, I've looked at I thought, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Uh, you learn as you go. There's no way you're going to be fully prepared going into it. So just have some fun with it. You know, Play loosey-goosey if that's your style. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for it. You know, who else is going to do it? You know, yeah. Who else? Is, uh, more importantly, who's going to stop you? That's go true for it. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, you know, do you have anything else you wanted to add, elaborate on, talk about, discuss? Uh, I'll keep my closing remarks nice and short. Uh, only, the only thing I was going to say is just reach, just talk to people. You know, we're, we're all a lot, we're all more alike than we'd like to admit. Uh, even if you disagree with someone, you'll find something that you have in common. Uh, it doesn't take much to just ask someone how they're doing. Quick conversation. It doesn't take much at all to just build a tiny community, you know, a, a single olive branch. Uh, yeah, that's all it is. Uh, pretty much, just take life with a grain of salt and do the best you can by the people you see. Mm-hmm. Well, this was episode five of the Orbit season two. Mitch, thank you for indulging in this thoughtful discussion with me. I hope we moved some students who are listening to start making a difference. I think we can all agree that there's definitely a lot of room for change in Brantford. Read Mitch's feature, Building Brantford Better, in our January issue, the first of the new year. You can find other fantastic work writers are passionate about on our website, thesputnik.ca. That's T-H-E-S-P-U-T-N-I-K dot C-A. Be sure to follow us on our socials, including X, TikTok, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Orbit on Radio Laurier Station. Thanks so much for listening, and have a lovely weekend.